How in tune are you with the qualities, traits and characteristics that make up your personality? How does your personality affect the results that you have with your key account relationships? If you are in tune with who you are, how well can you read other people? Do you use your knowledge and reflection to change the way that you behave to better your chances of success? Do you act the same in every interaction that you have with your key customer contacts? Or do you flex and adapt your communication style and intentionally control the way that you show up with people to maximize impact and influence? Today's episode on Camcast takes a dive into an important topic in the world of building customer relationships. Perhaps consider for a moment that rather than salesperson, you were called a sales practitioner. Rather than account manager, you were called an account management practitioner. The change in language brings a change in focus, because to be a practitioner, you must continue to practice. And to practice indicates that growth, development and improvement is always possible. And we can't sit back and assume that perfection has already been attained. So think of this episode as a moment to pause, to reflect and to decide how you will practice this imperative skill of shaping your communication style and your personality preferences to elevate your results with your most important clients. I'll be exploring the definition of selling in today's world. I'll share with you a simple model for exploring your personality and speed reading your customer contacts. And I'll give you some practical pointers for flexing your communicational agility to develop more effective partnerships. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Camcast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. To be an effective key account manager in today's world means more than simply being a well-trained salesperson who is adept with the skills to win more business and sustain relationships. Whether you're a hunter or, as with many key account managers, a farmer, the playing field has changed. We now work in an environment where it's less about how you sell and more about why the customer buys. Now, manipulation techniques in sales and marketing will always be around for good or for bad, but lasting relationships with key accounts are built on much more than that. They're built on innovation, inspiration, and the implementation of joint strategic plans that improve both parties' profitability. They're built on two parties having a very real awareness of each other's worlds, their needs, their goals, their strengths, and dare I say it, their weaknesses. It's easy to say that we are partners, but to really live it is to have the ability to create humanistic relationships where failure is seen as a joint opportunity to learn, where we work with and not for each other, where problems are seen as opportunities to grow and develop and where loyalty, which many would say is the strongest emotional tie between two companies, breeds within the ranks. Now, I'm not saying that traditional sales techniques are not needed, far from it. I'm actually just saying that alone, they're not enough. 
The truth is that with our key accounts, we're tasked with increasing results by improving relationships. In the early 90s, we were introduced to the ABC of sales in the film Glengarry Glen Ross with the always be closing quote. This was a strong reflection of the assertive and at times aggressive sales techniques that dominated the world of prospecting and sales and still to some part do today. So what's new? What's the ABC of sales today? Well, on our campaign for lasting partnerships, we would position it like this. The A stands for analyse how the customer thinks and works. B for building a bridge to their world. And C for communicating in their language, not yours. All of this is common sense though, right? But of course, common sense is not always common practice. Camcast, key account management made easy. Time for some brain science. Through our five senses, the human body sends 11 million bits of information per second to the brain for processing. And yet the conscious mind seems to be able to process only 50 bits per second. So that's some pretty hefty filtering going on there. The conscious brain chooses what to delete, what to distort, or what to generalize in the information, often based on past experiences and cognitive biases, to manage the processes that turn events and information into beliefs, behaviors, and reactions. The Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist Viktor Frankl summed it up perfectly when he said, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response, lies our growth and our freedom. The way I see it is that we all live in the same territory, but we all have a different map of the world. So why does all this help us understand our customers? And what part does it all play in the way that we sell? Well, in order to answer that, let me ask you a question that I often ask delegates during a training workshop. And the question is, what is selling? A simple question, right? A simple and somewhat obvious question. And it's a question that normally elicits the same, rather vanilla, definitions. Some would say it's to convince someone to buy your products. Perhaps it's to persuade another person to give you money for a product or service that your business provides. Some might say that it's to coerce another into a transaction of cash in return for products. And so the list goes on. The issue with these statements is that they insinuate that the control lies in the hands of the salesperson, when in reality, as science shows us, the choice in response and the power to decide lies in the control of the customer. Our job, and for me, the true definition of selling, is to influence with integrity and support the customer to choose the right solution for them. Only by understanding the way that our customer thinks, the way that they behave, the way that they communicate, can we really identify their motivation to buy and influence their decision by changing fixed positions and biases in a non-threatening and non-manipulative manner. So, where do we start? Now, the best place to start when trying to understand another is to take on the gargantuan challenge of trying to understand yourself first. There have been countless studies into the most successful people in the world, 
and they've identified that high self-awareness is one of the most important qualities in successful individuals. How we show up in the world has been influenced by many factors such as upbringing, cultural surroundings, learned behaviour, friendship circles, business etiquette, etc, etc. Much of the design work of our personality takes place at an unconscious level as we decide what our dominant preferences are and establish where we create those blind spots in personality trait. To assess and to analyse how we show up, both consciously and unconsciously, we can use any number of psychometric tools that are available on the market. And I'm sure many of our listeners will have taken those psychometric tools in the workplace in the past. Looking at our individual personality traits using what is known as the Big Five research will help us understand our effective qualities and how these play out in the interactions that we have with others. It's also really going to help us to identify where our less dominant blind spots are to help us consider what changes we might like to make when interacting with our psychological opposites. You might notice that I keep mentioning blind spots instead of using the word weaknesses. The reality is that we are all capable of dialing up or dialing down our different psychological energies and therefore it's really important to recognise that any low preference is a choice and not a weakness. Psychometric tools are not designed to give people a free pass to behave in stereotype. Rather, they're there to help us assess ourselves and design our own results through adaptation and flexibility. Many of the tools on the market will use a typical four-colour model as the foundation to build on, and for ease of explanation and exploration on this podcast, I'm going to do that too using the Luminous Spark model, which we often use with our clients. You can check out the show notes at camguru.com forward slash podcast to see the model and find out more about the tool. For now, I'd like to invite you to explore this with me through a four-colour lens, red, yellow, green, and blue. Let me give you a guided tour around the four colour energies and their associated personality qualities and preferences. We'll start off with our yellow energy that feeds off of the more creative big picture thinking and it drives to inspire others with flexible, spontaneous, conceptual, imaginative and sometimes radical approaches. Often an extroverted energy, we can see a sociable, gregarious and demonstrative side of someone who is dialing up the yellow when they're interacting with others. Our red energy has a strong focus on outcome and is often used to take charge of a situation whilst demonstrating qualities that are purposeful, logical, competitive and tough. It's not uncommon to find a sea of red energy when dealing with senior leaders where time is money and logical decisions are needed, pragmatism is the order of the day. With the blue energy, it's often driven by discipline and offers a down-to-earth and at times more introverted experience as we dial up our need for reliability, structure, caution and evidence while showing a practical, observed and measured approach to engaging with others in our work. Often characterised as the quiet analysts, those with a dominant blue energy bring a high level of detail, methodology and process to the table and often ensure that the big ideas of the yellow energy are brought to life in a workable way. The final one is the green energy and is focused on people, often intimate, accommodating, collaborative, empathetic and adaptable, 
which allows us to form strong bonds with others in a caring relationship that's ever mindful of the other party's feelings. Often mistaken in business for a sign of weakness, this ability to dial up green energy to develop deeper relationships with the people in your team, both internally and with the customer, is a fundamental basic for relationship management. So you can see these four basic archetypes as inspiring yellow, commanding red, conscientious blue, and empowering green. Even in that short description, there are many qualities that you'll recognise in yourself and some that you will feel are clearly more prominent than others. There may even be some feeling of discomfort if you've noticed any qualities that are not so dominant in you, but that you perceive to be necessary for your role. Take a moment to pause there and reflect. What energies do you relate to? If you were to list them in order of dominance for you, how would they rank? What does that tell you about yourself and what you already know? And are you proud to acknowledge that? What does it tell you about yourself that you already know that you prefer to ignore and avoid? How do these energies play out in your customer interactions? It is worth noting that for the purpose of this short podcast episode, we're only exploring this through a simplified four-colour lens. With a full personality portrait, as well as looking broadly at the four colours, we can take these two steps further and look at the eight aspects and 24 qualities to really magnify what's happening and why. If you'd be interested in getting your hands on a full profile, please do get in touch via the website. The truth is that understanding yourself is only part of the puzzle here. Everyone has their own individual personality portrait, and once we understand how we show up, We've then got to understand how that plays out against someone else's preferences. For example, have you ever entered a customer meeting with an abundance of green energy, talking about the weekend, inquiring about your contact's kids, only to be met with an opposing red energy from a decision maker who needs to get down to business and stick to clear, logical, outcome-focused agendas? How successful was that meeting? As an account manager with a lot of creative yellow energy myself, I often have to keep myself in check when meeting a more analytical decision maker with a higher level of blue energy, and therefore they've got a desire for the detail and realistic achievable plans. I have to say that some of my big ideas and dreams are often a step too far for that energy. Now bear with me on the analogy here, but if key account management was a little bit like speed dating, We'd need to get pretty good at speed reading another person's personality pretty quickly if we're to stand a chance of ensuring that we communicate and behave in a way that best suits them. To be clear though, I'm not talking about faking it. To become someone that you're not in the world of key account management will almost always backfire on you in the end and your lack of authenticity and integrity will invariably be your shortcoming in the long run. Rather, what I'm referring to here is your ability to become the chameleon. Learn how to assess your contact before dialing up or dialing down your different energies to develop a better relationship and communicate in their language. So let's imagine that we are speed dating, metaphorically speaking, with our opposite contacts within a key account. How would you notice the different energies in their personality? Perhaps we could spot the green energy in someone who was easygoing and informal, someone who's a good listener, caring and wanting to avoid contact. Instead, they will strive for harmony and agreement. They may use collaborative language and say we rather than I. 
The yellow energy could show up with a more creative flair, a sociable, gregarious character who embraces the idea of change, looks for the most imaginative ideas and solutions. They'll likely be enthusiastic and expressive in their demeanour and really quick to express emotion. The red energy might be decisive to the point and may at times come across as abrupt. The outcome-focused characteristics will be looking for an agenda and results-driven conversation and will waste no time in beating around the bush. Spotting blue energy with a contact is like looking for the detail-oriented, analytical, fact-checking people in the room. They'll adopt common sense and a pragmatic attention to facts and figures. Whilst often quiet and unassuming, their energy will be an important influence in diligent decision-making. And now that we can spot their energy, what do we need to do to complement their preferences? Take a moment now to consider what behavioural choices you could make in a meeting once you've identified your contact's dominant energies. Will you cater to the red in the room by allowing them to feel in control, understanding their goals and ensuring you link everything to the outcomes that they are looking for? Do you need to build in additional chat to build friendly rapport for the green preference? in your contact? Are you adequately prepared and armed with the necessary facts and figures to ensure that the blue energy finds everything that they need to make a secure and informed decision? And what imaginative and creative ideas will you bring to the meeting to foster the yellow energy that needs to explore that excitement of change? It's really, really important that in order to truly communicate in the customer's language, We've got to assess and consider their personal qualities and their communication preferences, as well as those of the wider organisation and business culture. Camcast, key account management made easy. In the world of consultative selling, we've talked about tailoring presentations and proposals for decades. And we've learned how to adapt the language that we use to maximise the chances that it resonates with the customer. All of this is still very relevant and there are plenty of NLP techniques that can be applied to enhance your chances of success. In the 1920s, psychologists started exploring the different ways that we like to learn and developed the VAK, visual, auditory and kinesthetic model for understanding preferences. So in sales and customer interactions, we can consider these preferences in the following way. Visual. For customers who learn visually, our presentations and proposals should be filled with visual aids like pictures, diagrams, graphics and charts. Our language should include phrases like, let's paint a picture. Can you see what I mean? And looking forward to seeing you. For auditory preferences, those customers who have that auditory preference will need to be mindful that they enjoy listening to what is being presented. Tone. Resonance, pitch, emphasis. These are all be important to the customer. To strengthen the message, why not consider giving them a chance to listen to their own voice? Perhaps you ask them to summarise their understanding. Think about including language like, you'll be pleased to hear that. And how does that sound to you? Kinesthetic. For those customers, the feeling is important and a physical hands-on approach will really help the customer to develop a deeper bond with your product. So think about giving the customer a chance to hold the product or feel the benefit of using your service. Language that explores how something feels to the customer and talk of getting in touch, etc. 
will really enhance this customer's buying experience. So by exploring these different styles and preferences, we can further demonstrate our ability to adapt and flex so that we can fit the customer's buying process rather than shoehorning our own sales approach and style. How well do you understand your customer's needs? For a customer to be ready to buy, we need them to have established a real motivation to do so. The challenge is that our customers are motivated by a number of needs and we as salespeople are tasked with understanding those needs first before we can position our offering to meet them. Let's consider these three key types of buyer needs. The first, technical needs. The ability of the product or service to solve a particular problem or to meet a specific need. The second, commercial needs. I'm talking about the price, the terms, financing, and whether a return on investment will likely be achieved. And the final is the motivational need. Although they are sometimes difficult to spot, they often decide who gets the business. What cannot be ignored is that the client, as well as projecting organisational concerns, will also be presenting us with some personal ones. Whilst not always the case, it's not uncommon to see these variations within our existing understanding of the four main energy archetypes. So let's explore them again through our four-colour lens. Starting with red. Red sees the need for achievement. Remember that red energy has a focus on outcome, return on investment, and is tough, competitive, and logical by nature. Yellow. Yellow sees the need for influence. Yellow energy is extroverted and has a desire to look good to peers and management. Career advancement and personal progression is often an intrinsic motivator. Green, the need for affiliation. People buy from people that they like. Never a truer statement for green energy and the need for a meaningful relationship can be a primary driver. Blue, the need for security. The need to feel safe as a buyer is strong within blue energy and risk will need to be mitigated to ease the buying process. As with all of these preferences and dominant qualities, there is a natural tendency for people to see in others what they see in themselves. So we must first therefore not confuse our own motivations with those of the customer. Take a moment now to think about how you may change your approach to improve your chances when working with your customer's different energies. With the red energy motivated by achievement, will you give them praise, comment on their achievements, emphasise things that will beat their competitors, build measurable goals into your proposals? Will you keep things clear and avoid being vague? With yellow energy, who is motivated by influence, will you let the customer change your proposal if necessary? Will you emphasise how your proposal will affect his or her status in the business? Ask for input and suggestions to highlight their credibility and expertise. Let them lead the discussion and perhaps even let them steal your ideas. With the green energy motivated by affiliation, will you make more time for social chat? Will you share an interest in family and social life? Make sure that you don't refuse their offer of a drink. Avoid being critical of others in front of them. Assist them to sell your proposal internally. And with the blue energy motivated by security, will you sell the benefits of change? Will you keep things black and white? 
Will you make your proposal easy to buy with nothing too demanding or risky? Will you offer testimonials and case studies and send them regular communication to inform and reassure? You can check out these pointers and more on the show notes at camguru.com forward slash podcast. In today's world, though, consultative selling is a foundation and true lasting partnerships are created on the basis that we work together to challenge the norms, innovate beyond best practice and transform our customer's world to increase their profitability, which will in turn increase ours. The ability to adapt and flex as individuals as well as a business really could be the difference that makes the difference. Camcast, key account management made easy. Perhaps as you reflect on this topic and important skill set, you might want to ask yourself these health check questions. How self-aware are you and your key account managers today? What energies do you have on tap in everyday interactions, both within your team and your customers' team? Where are the blind spots and what can you do about them? What are your buyer's key motivations and what can you do to support the buyer journey? Remember, we all live in the same territory, but we all have a different map of the world. To really succeed in key account management, we must get better at really understanding the perception filters of our clients to identify their beliefs and fix positions. To truly become aware of the customer, we must first become aware of ourselves. We have to work at becoming more of a chameleon and learn how to dial up and dial down our different energies to enhance rapport and communicate in the customer's language. It's time to drop the old ABC, always be closing, in favour of a new one. Analyse how the customer thinks and works. Build a bridge to their world and communicate in their language, not yours. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Camcast. Do let us know what you've taken away from it and keep those requests for new topics and episode themes coming in. Thank you for listening to this episode of Camcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.